It's recording. Woo. Um, I don't like a bit or anything. It's this is going to be a good episode. <laughs> Last episode I recorded, I started by saying to the people, thank you for welcoming me to your lovely home. And maybe that's my bit. Maybe I have figured out how to start this podcast. I'm more of a car podcast person, but. Oh, okay. Well, vroom, vroom. Here we go. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how to start the podcast yet, so it'll either be room, room, here we go, or something along the lines of Welcome to Late to the Movies. My name is Ben Holden. This is a podcast where my friends and I get to fill in our movie blind spots. Each week, we'll pick a movie that either I or a guest hadn't seen before. Uh, I really should have by now. This week, the movie, finishing out high school movies month. I've been trying to do a little bit of a twist, stuff that isn't like traditional, classic, um, but still things that are really good. But, I mean, we can't do a high school movies month without going back to the 80s, without going back to John Hughes. So, here we go with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, I guess, left or right across your podcast, uh, we got Kate. Hello. Hello, returning champ from the Scream and Scream 2 and Contagion episodes and Notting Hill. Wow, yes. So, this is your fifth episode. Five Timers Club, welcome. Fifth episode, yep. Those weren't in order because I forgot about Notting Hill until the end. (laughs) That was a great one. That was a good one. Uh, full participation from all guests. <laughs> Shout out Justin Feldman. <laughs> Hope you're listening. Use last name too, so people can like Google him. Get Googled. I wasn't going to say. <laughs> Internet micro celebrity. Yeah. Um, anyway, before we get into the movie, have you seen anything good recently? Ooh, I have been, um, well, I, I, Obviously, went to see Barbie um, and Oppenheimer. Um, we are going to see Barbie again tonight in IMAX. That's right. <laughs> One week only in IMAX. Um, those are the most recent movies I've seen in the movies. Um, I am watching Daisy Jones and the Six on Amazon Prime. Just read the book. Slow start, but I heard it gets better. Uh, yeah. We've, we've seen other things that Riley Keough has been in together. We watched Zola in your dad's garage, technically. We did? As far as the law is concerned. (laughs) Oh, we did. Yes, you're totally right. She's in that too. Yeah. My memory is a bag of dirt. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Great actress. I I like her in like everything she's been in. Plays a lot of like prostitutes. Yep. Um, But it's just, you know, she's broke in in like indie movies and is in like bigger stuff and like Amazon shows now and just goes to show what a little hard work and having your grandfather be Elvis Presley can do for you <laughs> as a celebrity. I actually did not know. Yep. <laughs> that's her grandfather. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Lo- love that for her. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. She's, she's good in it so far. Good. But. Yeah, that's it. I think I'm not watching anything else. I know a lot of people, I didn't, I didn't watch that yet, but I know a lot of people watch that and were like, Man, I just kind of wish they'd make a 70s Fleetwood Mac movie. Yeah, yeah. My dad... Just use the same cast and just make a Fleetwood just Mac Just make movie. the Fleetwood Mac movie. My dad saw um, Stevie Nicks last night. Oh, nice. And Billy Joel. Okay. <laughs> um, I think at Gillette. I don't know. Somewhere. Fun. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, I didn't, but... I've seen Stevie Nicks, just not last night. <laughs> I've not seen Stevie Nicks, but I'd love to. Yeah, the brief time in which the actual classic lineup of Fleetwood Mac got back together. Not the original, because that'd be like, you know, Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac, but the people that, you know, people care about the self-titled album, the Rumors album, they for like a couple years got back together. Mm -hmm. And my mom had tickets to see them in Boston and in Providence. Didn't go to either. I went to both. (laughs) Nice. I love that. (laughs) Um, It was great. Did you know Stevie Nicks' name is Stephanie? Stevie's a nickname. That's too bad. <laughs> I know. Ruins the magic. <laughs> yeah, it does. I, I do know a Stephanie who thought she would start going by Stevie once she learned that, but yeah, didn't catch. <laughs> you got to be a really specific type of personality. and Totally. If you're not Stevie Nicks, it's really not going to work for you. <laughs> uh, Stevie from, um, what's that show? Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek. She pulls it off. I guess. Um, <laughs> not salt. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm a... Uh, I'm in the minority. I don't think shit screams that good, oh, but I think it's awesome. I mean, it's you fine. Just, yeah, it takes a couple episodes to catch on, but it's fine. I watched like all of it. I thought it was good, I but it. I I don't understand how it was, 
how it took over people's lives. Maybe that was just like a pandemic thing too. I think it was a pandemic thing. People just need like a kind of warm huggy type show. Yeah. One of my, one of my, uh, first, like, am I seeing my friends again? Pandemic moments, um, was going to an outdoor drag brunch, drinking a lot. Um, and then, you know, my two friends and I kind of looked at each other. We're like, do we hang out inside? Um, went back to my apartment in Queens at the time and just watched the simply the best scene and cried and cried. <laughs> it was a good scene. I, I just, I, I think it came across too harshly. I don't think it's a bad show. I just think I'm in the minority by not thinking it's one of the best shows ever made. Sure. I think it's a good show. <laughs> Fair. And that makes me a pariah in this community. <laughs> I realize, but still. Um, it definitely like did, did what sex in the city did to Sarah Jessica Parker to me with Annie Murphy. Like I can't see her in anything else anymore. That, yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Yeah. Um, she's in a bunch of stuff still, but I know, I think she, and I think all the performers in the show are really good. Mm -hmm. You know, I I feel like I have to backtrack now just (laughs) because it's people are shocked that I don't think, you know. It feels like I don't know if people talk about it anymore. I haven't heard it a lot. Whatever. A lot of matter. lot of very good eyebrows making faces at you. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I haven't gone to the movies really. So since I had COVID, which I was recovering from on the Rushmore episode, it's been a fun. I know we're all following the story of how I feel about having COVID uh, this month. I feel fine. Um, but my my attention span got all kinds of shot. So then both recently having had COVID, I didn't really want to go to the movies. And then like. My attention span's kind of been pretty bad, so just haven't been watching a ton of movies either. I do want to call out, this weekend, I haven't seen it yet. I want to see it at some point. Apparently, allegedly, I don't know why I'm questioning (laughs) this, uh, there's a new movie that a lot of people are saying, oh, it's the best new movie that came out this weekend. It's only on Hulu, and it's called No One Will Save You. It seems to be like an alien invasion type movie, and I do like those things, and it is getting to be spooky season, so. Love it. Um, a lot of people that I follow on Twitter that I usually trust their movie opinions on are saying, this thing rocks. Not just critics, but also like um, filmmakers like Guillermo del Toro, uh, C. Robert Cargrill, who wrote a bunch of movies you've heard of, Black Phone isn't the best one of those, but other stuff too, maybe Insidious was one of his, I think. So people like that are all raving about this movie that I had never heard of until literally earlier today. Apparently it just came out. Apparently it's only on Hulu. I think that's the name. I didn't double check just <laughs> now. Um, no one will save you. I think is the name of it. Cool. Let's check and it if out. That's not the name. Just go to Guillermo del Toro's Twitter. He's been tweeting about it. Multiple <laughs> tweets. So, you know, it must be good. You're still using the T word, huh? Uh, Yeah. If I say he's Xing about it, what do you think he'm <laughs> saying? No clue. Yeah, exactly. I'm bad at both versions. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, we can get into the movie probably next. You had not seen this film before. I had not. I'd somehow escaped Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Before we get into even like a plot summary, how much of this movie was familiar to you just through like cultural osmosis and other things referencing or otherwise alluding to it? Um, the, I mean, the plot was, I I knew what was going to happen. Um, I did not even realize how many quotes were from Ferris Bueller's day off. (laughs) Like I was like, oh, it turns out everything everyone's been saying for all 31 years of my life, um, are from this movie. Uh, and the only, the only quote I realized was like Bueller, you know, (laughs) that, that was a very bad impression. (laughs) Um, is that Ben Stein? (laughs) Yes, in the flesh. Um, yeah, that's it. So everything else was a surprise to me and, and kind of delightful journey through yeah. <laughs> through quotes. Much like Ferris's delightful journey in the film. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things that to talk about with this movie, but before we get into that, we should probably do a... Pl- oh, I've seen this movie like a million times. Um, it's one of my dad's favorites. So it was just on all the time while I was growing up. I think it's something he showed to, he used to be a teacher. It's something he showed in class. He was a science teacher. I'm not sure how it applied. I think it was like an end of the year kind of thing. Nice. Um, then we should probably do a one minute plot summary. (laughs) Um, Ferris Bueller, um, opening scene. He's, you know, looking sick in bed. You find out that, um, he's faking sick. His sister kind of starts giving him the eyeball. Um, and pretty quickly after his parents leave him to be homesick in bed, 
breaks the fourth wall right away, starts talking to the audience, and you realize he's faking sick. He gallivants through <laughs> through the city of Chicago. Um, he somehow ropes in his best friend, who is a very neurotic and hypo- hypochondriacal boy. Um, hijinks ensue. They take... Um, the, his friend's father's, um, Ferrari out, um, they get into all kinds of mischief. Ferris ends up in a parade. Um, and long story short, he ends up having to, after all this fun, race home to beat his parents back into bed and does so successfully. Yeah, pretty much. Good job. You were timing yourself. Most people don't. That's great. (laughs) Um, there's a lot to talk about with this movie. There's a lot of, you know, iconic. Uh, so I, I should say right off the front, I think I've done a pretty good job removing iconic from the vernacular of this show. It was something I said a lot, a long time ago, but haven't in a while. Um, trying to save it for the occasions in which it actually works, which, you know, for this movie, it does from some of the outfits the characters are wearing to the characters to the lines. So many lines, so many quotes in this movie. To some some of the sequences, uh, you know, it's all pretty iconic. I would agree. So interesting. The whole point of the show, talking to people who haven't seen this stuff before, actually sitting down and watching the movie, just sort of gut reaction. What'd you think? I was not sure at first. Um, I will say when I went to open it on on Netflix, it was an 84% match for me, which is like not super high. And then I opened it on my partner Jeffrey's and it was 96%. And yeah. I was like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go. Right, right. Um, <laughs> so I, and I started off, I was like intrigued by by the breaking of the fourth wall immediately. Um, and by the end, I loved it. Okay, cool. There's some stuff that definitely gives me pause throughout the movie. But yeah, I, I also love this movie. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's, there's, there are some moments that didn't age well, for sure. There's some moments that didn't age well. Um, so this is the second time, maybe, I think, that we're doing something John Hughes wrote. I believe this is the first time we're doing something John Hughes directed. Um, and just the quick, I guess, CV on him. Wrote, wrote, wrote tons of stuff. And then from 84 to 89, made a bunch of iconic movies. And then made, I think, only one movie he directed after that, but still wrote a bunch of stuff you've heard of. Um and I guess I could just leave it at that. But yeah, so the other movie we did that he wrote, Christmas Vacation. He wrote all the vacation movies. He wrote Home Alone. He wrote uh, Beethoven. <laughs> you know, all those classics. <laughs> um, but this is, uh, what is this, 86, I want to say? 86. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is 86, starting in 84 in, uh, I don't know, in any particular order. But uh, Breakfast Club, I guess, would be his other big pull. Um, the magical run sort of ends with playing trains and automobiles for his um, written and directed run. But there's also, I mean, he wrote Pretty in Pink, but didn't direct it. Um, a bunch of stuff with Molly Ringwald. She wanted to be the Sloan character in this movie, but he thought it wasn't a big enough part for her. Interesting. Which is maybe true. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the clear female lead. Well, I guess yeah. the sister too, but... Basically, everyone in um, a lot of his movies, but I guess specifically Breakfast Club, wanted to be in it too. Uh, Emilio Estevez wanted to be Cameron, I think, um, but turned it down, I want to say. Interesting. Um, Anthony Michael Hall turned down Ferris because he had other projects to do. Hmm. Uh, You know, what could have been, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Alan Ruck, who plays Cameron... um, I think auditioned for the Judd Nelson character in um, Breakfast Club, the the kind of like you know the guy who looks like he's forty. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, pumps his fist at the end to "Don't you forget about me." That guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he auditioned, but obviously didn't get it. Um, and is uh, Alan Ruck's twenty nine when he makes Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Really? <laughs> yes. <clears throat> That that makes a bunch of sense. Sorry, uh, Mia Sarah, who plays Sloane, is legitimately eighteen. I think when okay. they're filming this. Okay. So they're eleven years apart. How old is Matthew Broderick? Uh, Broderick, I think, is young twenties. Okay. I mean, he looks so fucking young. I was going to say Alan Ruck. I was like, 
Ooh, he aged a lot between that and succession. <laughs> but it makes sense. I mean, it was like I, yeah. I had to do math where I was like, oh, that's that's been 36 years. Um Yeah. Or 37. So I guess. Broderick born 62, so he's like 24-ish. Okay. Here. When the movie comes out, I think they film it in like 85, so maybe 23-ish when he's filming. Got it. Well, yeah, it makes more sense that he was 29 during that. Yeah. Sort of similar character in some ways. Like he had he had a lot of the same like, you know, qu- yeah. quirky guy slightly on the outside of things. Um, yeah. As For his sure. character in Succession. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, Alan Ruck's wonderful um, here. Succession. Spin City, in case anyone watched that show. Another one that Charlie Sheen came into pretty late, much like this movie. <laughs> um, because he replaced Michael J. Fox after he left as the title character, uh, not the title character, as the main character on the show, Spin City. Cool. No one remembers that show. Yeah, Charlie Sheen was a delightful surprise in this movie. Delightful, interesting. Um, <laughs> delightful in that it delighted me to be like, is that Charlie Sheen? It is. <laughs> Looks so the same. 80s Sheen putting the, uh, you know, putting the moves on uh, Jennifer Grey in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the main people and I guess the main characters really are Ferris and Cameron and we can go plot beat by plot beat if you want, but we, we don't have a lot of time. And, um, (laughs) I've been finding lately it's, it's working out better for the flow of the episodes is to sort of tackle the big picture stuff. Let's Um, tackle it. And it feels like maybe we should be building up to this, but this is what people talk about with this movie. Obviously it's like a reference. It's a thing that happens. If you ever watched You're the Worst, it's like a plot point that two characters agree on who is the villain and who is the hero of this movie. Oh. <laughs> um, I feel like the villain is the sister. What's her name? Janie? Jeannie, yeah. Jeannie. I feel like she's the villain. Mm, Fer- interesting. Ferris is the hero. Okay. Um, the story Sloan. Jo- <laughs> yeah, maybe Sloan. Sloan has a few lines. Um, not the not Mia Sarah's fault, but it's not much of a written character. Um, whereas I feel like both Ferris and Cameron get to do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Cameron gets that great monologue with the car towards the end. Yeah, that was delightful. Um, Mia Sarah doesn't really get those moments in this movie. That's All that to say, uh, the sort of joke answer is that uh, Ferris is the villain, Cameron's the hero, and uh, Ferris is a bad friend. <laughs> He is kind of a bad friend. Um, I should also know my mom hates this movie. Really? I think she just thinks Ferris is an asshole. <laughs> I mean, he he is. I feel like he's like that punky kid that yeah. you just like, like all the adults were like supposed to hate, but couldn't. He's like, yeah. he's very charming. He's yeah. like a, you know, kind of magnetic personality. The yes. cops all love him. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's not a sports star. No. Some. Yeah. He's not like mega rich, I guess. But this is very you know, upper middle class. I mean, this is like, you know, houses were cheaper. Um, right. Right. It's the eighties. Everyone's on cocaine. That house costs like 40 grand. (laughs) But Um, yeah, but yeah, they had an intercom in 86. So yeah, there you go. That's, uh, and then I don't know, as I get older, I I mean, watching it as a kid, obviously Ferris is what pops because it's like a fun guy yeah. to be around. The kind of guy who can jump on a parade float. And speaking of fourth wall breaking, I, I really don't know where to place um, that whole sequence in reality. Never have. One of the strangest sequences in mainstream. That him on a parade film. float? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. You well, know, plenty of jokes throughout culture about how weird that scene is. Why are all those black people dancing in a choreographed fashion on the stairs. Did Ferris talk to them before? Did they know this was going to happen? <laughs> like people are just really going along with it. Um, I was once in a parade <laughs> that I wasn't supposed to be in. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, so it, it tracked for you. This it is a normal tracked thing. for me. I was like, this is normal. I was 12 um, and took a bus trip to New York City. Nice. And there was the, the Italian Day Parade was that day. Oh, okay. Um, and someone truly came up to us. I was with my dad, my sisters and my dad's girlfriend at the time. And they said, you look Italian. Do you want to be on a parade float today? And we said, sure. Um, so, so we went on the parade float and threw orbit gum to the crowd. Oh, nice. <laughs> we had no other treats. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> but you, you didn't lip sync to things didn't that make people should lose have. their absolute shit. <laughs> should have. Should have. I loved that his dad saw him out the window yeah. of the office. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, the near misses with his dad throughout. The yeah, years. that's a great runner. It's a great running joke. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Interesting movie. Very Reagan-y. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Very Reagan-y. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I was going to say like the big, the big picture stuff that I still love is all the stuff with Cameron. Um, and I, and Ferris does it too. They, they're just sort of handling this very specific time in life, a different way. The filmmaker, John Hughes before he, I mean, he died pretty young at, I think 59 in 2009. Um, but he and Broderick had talked about maybe doing a sequel at some point. Alan Rucks talked about maybe doing a sequel at some point, but there's just like, this movie is about the, like, it's two weeks before you graduate from college, uh, from high school. Yeah. And the movie's about that one moment in your life. Yeah. And it's like super relatable. Yeah. And like, sure. yeah, it absolutely feels like this. And if you had, if you just had like one day to do whatever you want, what would you do? You'd probably, you know, pile into a convertible with your girlfriend and your best friend and like just do random shit. Just do stuff. Yeah. I do. I do remember that time in high school yeah. so clearly. Um, at one point in April, my senior year, I remember like getting together with some friends and having our parents call us out of school early yeah. to just go to the beach Yeah, and we like went to KFC and like ran around the parking lot and just, yeah. you know, the hijinks teenagers get up to, but it's, I feel like anyone watching this can just remember what it's like to like no longer care about high school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And you're at this, like, there's these really specific anxieties that I feel like are really well shown in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just, like, you know, being technically a kid, but not feeling like you're a kid anymore, but you're not really an adult and just sort of this desire for freedom and for breaking out. But, like, you know, Ferris doesn't even have a car. Right. Um, And the tension and the issues that Cameron has with his dad – and all this stuff is just so relatable. That's your phone. It's not like a bug or something. I don't know what's I happening. I thought I deleted all my notes. Oh, no. <laughs> but I didn't. Okay, good, good. Uh, but yeah, I feel like it gets really at these specific anxieties. Um, yeah, for sure. More so than a lot of other movies. It's a thing that John Hughes is good at writing. Mm-hmm. Um, like these characters that are a little more three-dimensional than a lot of characters that show up in, you know, kind of frothy teen comedies. Yeah. Because it is pretty light. It's not... It's not gross out. It's not dirty at all. No one really swears. It's but it's no, still it's pretty funny. Like, yeah, it is funny, and it's it. You make a good point of the like you know youth adult pulling, and I think the the juxtaposition of you know he Ferris is talking about sex lightly, but like you know yeah. he, you know he's sexually active. He's doing all these kind of adult things, but his his parents talk to him like a an actual baby and he he responds as such. (laughs) That that was like too cringe for me. Like him him making baby noises. (laughs) Blinky. Yeah. Yeah. It also does a really great job of doing something uh, with the whole, I mean, Ferris says this specifically, but it's also like the super bad tension between the two friends also. Yep. Uh, super bad obviously owes a ton to this movie. <laughs> yeah. Booksmart owes a ton to this movie. Um, True. And uh, I feel like we talk about super bad a lot, like it's sui generis and it's it's not. It's it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off just mm-hmm. at night with more sex and raunch and written by uh, Seth uh, Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Um, but anyway, the whole this is my best friend. This has been my best friend since I was single digits years old Mm -hmm. and we are not going to hang out in like four months anymore. Yep. Um, and just trying to capture like that one golden perfect day Mm -hmm. with your friend. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It, It does it really well. Yeah. It's heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people said at the time it's, it's just so wholesome. Mm hmm. Uh, ben Stein thought it was very wholesome and he's like, and you know, and then he keeps talking and it, it gets into very conservative talking points about kids these days and TV these days. Yeah. Uh, ben Stein, a conservative, one of the few in Hollywood and not, co- not non coincident, incoincidentally, not coincidentally, <laughs> non coincidentally, non coincidentally, John Hughes, also a conservative. Like I said, movie, very Reagan. Yeah. Yeah. In what, in what ways? Not a lot of people of color besides the ones who uh, 
do that line do dance on those steps. Are those steps near the parade? The parade's very crowded, but they have those steps to themselves over there. I don't know. Um, and just everyone is so comfortable, I guess you'd say, yeah. monetarily, financially. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't really have problems. Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> um, they get at some with Cameron. He has a seemingly, like they don't get too into it, but seemingly an abusive relationship with his father. Oh, for sure. Um, and, uh, but for the most part, yeah, just very, this, the, it's, it's wealthy. Yes. <laughs> and like, you look at it like this kid, sucks and this it's just like an indulgent fantasy. Yeah. Um you can't look at it that way. You can look at it as just sort of like escapism and it's a fun movie. Yeah. Also. I, I feel like- <laughs> but that was a lot of the criticism since some of the criticism at the time is that it's just very like well, like, you know, we're at the end of history and we don't have problems anymore. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean I feel like you, you sure could look at this and be like, this kid sucks, but you don't need to. <laughs> yeah. Like to, also, why does Ferris assume that guy doesn't speak English? That's a little weird. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> and um, there was another moment similar with Jeannie uh, on the phone with someone and the like speak it to English line. I was like, I have heard that. It has offended me every time I've heard it, and I yeah. did not know it came from this movie. That was not, you know, that was that was the one quote that made me sad. Yeah. I wonder if that comes from this movie. That's just a thing everyone was saying in the eighties. That well, I had that question about several quotes. So I was like. Yeah. You know, is this the origin of that quote? But I think for the most part, probably in <laughs> yeah. this movie, uh, we haven't talked about Rooney at all. The, oh my God. Uh, the principal, I think technically the Dean of students, but the principal, mm-hmm. principal Rooney. Um, yeah. Great, great bit of comedy there. The worst. <laughs> I like all the adults are just either completely monotonous and boring or just buffoons. Yeah, n- all the teachers are just like not no one who works at that school. Yeah has any redeeming qualities. Um, except for, uh, I, I can't recall her name, the person who works like outside of Rooney's office. She's like a school secretary or something. Yes, yeah. Um, I do like her. <laughs> um, do you remember her name? Uh, I don't remember the character's name, although I am looking at a cast list right now, so I could probably tell you. Uh, she plays Grace. Grace. Okay. Um, and should mention, this is the second movie this month that we've talked about her. Oh. Because only 10 years earlier, she plays a high schooler. Oh, wow. In uh, Carrie. Dang. 1976 okay. is Carrie. We mentioned at the time in that episode, pretty much all of the <laughs> quote unquote teenagers in that movie are in their at least 20s. And I think Edie McClurg, who plays, I think her, the character's name is Helen there, Grace in this. I think she's in her 30s when she plays that role. Wow. Because like, she's definitely not... 10 years out of high school in this movie. No, a lot happened between 30 and 40. Um, yeah. I, I will get back to Rooney, but there were two grace moments that I just loved so much. Um, yes. They, what a little asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> loved that. And very earned very early in the film. Um, there's like a half a second where she sniffs white out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I love this woman. She's just like trying to get through. It, it, it had very nine to five energy. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, loved that. Rooney. Um, I liked that. A couple of times that you knew he was going to get into trouble were just object zoom ins, fire hydrant, wallet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, I was wondering the wallet was very obvious, but I was wondering about the fire hydrant. I was like, there's a real prominent fire hydrant in this shot. <laughs> like, what's happening there, but it's at a house. I'm not sure. And yeah, loved that. Um, he was truly the worst. I could not stand him. Yeah. I wanted the dog to eat him. Uh, he's in a bunch of other stuff. Uh, I guess most notably Amadeus and, um, Beetlejuice. I forgot the word for Beetlejuice. One second. Oh, I already said it twice. No one else said it. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the so if you know like the outside context of what happened to that dude in real life, the whole like, you know, trying to break into a kid's house doesn't age well. Nope. Uh, that's all we have to say about Jeffrey Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I uh, yeah, no. <laughs> not great. So this movie, iconic, everyone, you know, besides my mom and some other people seem to really like it or love it or whatever. Um, with all that buildup, I know you said you ended up loving it, but was there any like let part of it or was it 
better than you thought it would be just because you're like, you thought it'd just sort of be, you know, standard 80s fare, which in a lot of ways it is because it sort of defines that era of teen movies. Yeah, it was just better than I thought it would be. Um, and it it started off, I, again, I liked it more as it went on. The only real letdowns for me were the kind of, the moments that we've spoken about. Yeah, where fair like, enough. You know, there were fair things enough. that offended me. Yeah. Um, but I thought, you know, I it wasn't like I wasn't enraptured by it, but I just thought it was like cute oh, yeah. and light and fluffy. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it, it, it goes down pretty smooth. It's yeah. considered to be an extremely rewatchable movie. Something you can just sort of throw on. Sure. I'm not going to watch it again. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you don't really rewatch <laughs> movies. I don't anyway. rewatch movies except for other tonight. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so for tonight, we're going to see Barbie again, but it's bigger this time. There'll be more, There'll be more Barbie. There'll be more Barbie. Yeah, yeah, so that's kind of where I come down on it ultimately is it's like more comfort food than... Totally. Than like a brain exercise, you know? It's mashed potatoes. It's it's smooth mashed potatoes even. smooth mashed potatoes, (laughs) but in a good way. And it does go a little bit more into the interior lives of what... I think it's just the specificity of getting to what people at this moment, their lives are feeling. Yeah. And the kind of, and the escapism is this is the kind of memory you would have wanted to form at that time. Yes, for sure. And even if you don't do all the things that the kids in this movie did, you, you have something probably that you can pull on from that time in your life. Totally. Totally. Uh, does a great job of that. Some, so some of the big sequences in this, uh, you mentioned in your recap specifically him running home to beat the cars and, and all the chaos around that. And, uh, I think Joe Keery from Stranger Things, there was like a Domino's commercial a few years ago or whatever, where they basically just do that. Yep. Um, and then the other one, the maybe the most parodied moment from this movie or sequence is the bit at the Art Institute of Chicago. Oh, yeah. When they're just in the art museum, Cameron has like an existential crisis while looking at uh, Sunday afternoon on what, the island of uh, La Grande Jete by George Sherratt. Um I mispronounced all of those and I got the title of the painting wrong too. But you know what I Pinky mean? Up, ben. <laughs> uh Sondheim made a musical about it starring Mandy Patinkin, so <laughs> I know that. Wow. <laughs> I didn't what musical? Sunday in the Park with George. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Mandy Patinkin sent the department I worked for um at the time a cheer up video in early COVID times. Oh, nice. Yeah. He somebody lives in the same building as him or something. Oh, nice. Very New York moment. <laughs> Very New York moment. That's, that's just a New York guy. Yeah, truly. He's he, just around. He played us a song on his keyboard. Yep. That's He's, a New York guy through and through. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So that's happening. There's the, the them sort of in a staggered position with all going like that with their hand on their fists and mm-hmm. like looking at the painting that's all parodied. I mean, I'm sure there's been like 12 different Simpsons bits doing stuff from that. And uh, originally did not work at all. Um, it's, I forgot the band that's doing a cover of um, Please Let Me Get What I Want by the Smiths there. Or is that just a Morrissey song? Who knows? Um, another bad dude. Let's mention them all today. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway. So that sequence, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff. It, 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 that's why I didn't really want to go plot B by plot B because like all of this stuff is quoted yeah. like everywhere. Yeah. You <laughs> that's just a big like one. A quote list. Um, um, it wasn't originally with that song. They were doing like some acoustic guitar thing and it like didn't work with test audiences at all. And it also came after the parade and the original cut of the movie. Oh, wow. Um, which doesn't make any sense. You can't do anything after the parade. <laughs> no, that's exactly so. Clear climax there. So they changed the music. They moved it before the parade. The editor says it works now because it's before the parade. John Hughes says it works now because they changed the music. Either way, it works better now. <laughs> Good editing in this movie, actually, especially for the 80s. One one thing about John Hughes, he writes a screenplay super shaggy and super fast and then just starts shooting. Yeah. Um. This original cut of this movie is a little under three hours long. Holy cannoli. Most of his movies, the original cuts are a little under three hours long. And um, so you note maybe a lot of them like this, planes, trains, and automobiles happen in sort of like an unbroken, almost like real time way. Yeah. Um, or at least like sequentially, it's a day or two. Yeah. Um, people suspect that he does that. So characters 
don't change wardrobe that much. Mm. And so he can completely rearrange the movie in editing. Wow. And, That's interesting. You know, because the movie ends up being you're at credits after right around 100 minutes. Yeah. Um, and, the you know, so they cut out about half of what they filmed for it. Wow. Rearranged a bunch of shit. But the characters wear the same clothes the whole movie. So, yeah. So you put it in whatever order you want. Interesting. Yep. He says he always knows how movies start, how they end. He writes a bunch of shit and then rearranges it in between. <laughs> and he wrote this in like a week, right? He oh yeah, he's always like a weekend or a week. The first treatment he did in a day and then pitched it the next day and the studio was into it. Wow. Um yeah. That's what he does. What's your favorite favorite quote from this movie? Let me pull up the IMDb quotes page because I want to actually like get that correct. Okay. Do you have one you were thinking of? Um several. <laughs> um I I think my my favorite is probably he he loves the car he hates his wife. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like the car. He loves the car he hates his wife. Um yeah. that one was great. Good Cameron quote. Um Genie's I am very cute. I am very alone and I am very protective of my body. Yeah. <laughs> it's also very good. Yeah. Um and then you know there's the the one Barbara Bush quoted. <laughs> um <laughs> Well, yeah, the one that gets pulled out if you don't, you know, life goes by pretty fast. You don't stop down. If you don't stop every, you know, look around. <laughs> every once could in go a while. By, yeah. <laughs> you could miss it. You could miss it. Uh, yep. That, so, bar- yeah. that famous Barbara Bush quote. Heard that a million times. Actually didn't know it was yeah. from this movie. The only one I was expecting, which I mentioned, was, was Bueller. And I was so excited when I saw the teacher come on screen. I was like, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, here it comes. He's being monotonous and he's reading off the role. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love when Edie McClurg does the whole, he's very popular and then lists off the different clicks. Oh yeah. They think he's a righteous dude. <laughs> it's, it's just good. Uh, the, the, the nurse showing up. The like, <laughs> I'm the nurse who likes him and shuts the door. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was Awesome. <laughs> Alan Ruck's delivery of Ferris Bueller, you're my hero. After yeah. the pool scene is is pretty wonderful. Um, and then I think the part that like people I think that I kind of like get more into the movie is any of the stuff when he's just trying to get Cameron to come over to his house. And when he's sitting in the car going, he's gonna keep calling me, he'll keep calling me. Yes. <laughs> And he's like walking back to the house and, and it's just the shot of the wheel and you see him in the background walking back to the car and he's just mad. And like, yeah, I can, yeah. I can totally relate. Cameron fighting with himself is just, it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really like when he is just, you know, catatonic by the pool um, or, or, or apparently not actually catatonic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> since he saw Sloan change. Yep. Which they, I, I love how serious they got about that too. Yes. Cameron blew a mic- microchip or two was yep. a good moment, which especially for this time, I'm like, wow, we're talking about microchips in 1986. Let me find out. <laughs> <laughs> Another famous sequence from the movie is is the car stuff at the end. The the big monologue from Alan Ruck. I'm not going to you know sit on my ass and let the uh, events around me determine the course of my life. Yep. Um, and then of the, the the car going out the window <laughs> and through the trees, and you killed the car. And yeah, yeah, that was great. Just good shit. Them just looking out at the car. I'm like, what was that? Was that just like a garage, a fancy garage with a? That's a real house, and there is a real pavilion there that uh, uh, rare car collector kept cars in. Really? Yep. Wow. The producer of the that? film knew the guy. The, at the time, it was a photographer, I think. Hmm. Um, but the guy who, yeah, one of the producers of the film knew the the person who owned it. Wow. And they thought, like, yeah, this is, you know, a good place for a guy who collects fancy cars. Because it's literally what that room is for in real life. That's wild. <laughs> Extremely successful photographer. I guess so. <laughs> uh, and I mean, all the Sausage King of Chicago stuff we didn't even mention at the restaurant. Yeah, yeah that was good. good. Too. Yeah. Other things we've done before. So this is, the, I think, the second movie we've covered that the cinematographer was Tak Fuchimoto on. He's retired now, but he did a ton of stuff. He did like most of Jonathan Demme's movies and a couple Shyamalan's. But what we've done before is he was the cinematographer of Silence of the Lambs. Oh. So 
As far as connections between this and other episodes go, I think this and Silence of the Lambs are probably the two most disparate to have on our roster. Yeah. Yeah. That- that's Talk Fujimoto. Wow. So there you go. Great cinematographer. I mean, this movie looks awesome. That's a, that's another thing about this is that it it looks great for what it is. Totally. You know, relative to some of the other movies we've done in this. Um, not the director, but the choreographer of uh, before Matthew, Matthew Broderick injured himself doing the like running back to the house at the end bit. That's amazing. Uh, but there was supposed to be a lot of cinema, uh, a lot of choreography in the dancing sequence when he's on the float. It's sort of just like flailing around in the final movie because he had like really injured his knee, I guess. Um, but the choreographer of that was Kenny Ortega. We've talked about him before, too, because he's the director of High School Musical. Really? And the director of Hocus Pocus. <laughs> okay, wow. Hocus Pocus 2? Um, I th- He might have done Hocus Pocus 2. <laughs> I was in a wedding in Newport when that was filming, and it yeah. was just everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I know people up on College Hill in Providence saw them when they were around there, too. But yeah. Anyway. Okay, uh, anything else we want to say about the movie? About the movie? Um... The bathroom attendant really, (laughs) really cracked me up. The like, um, just kind of like not, not moving much, um, which was, I think an interesting, not, not at all to hit on bathroom attendants, but I'm always just kind of like, I appreciate that they take care of the bathroom, but I'm not quite sure where I need to be handed a towel. So that was an interesting (laughs) little poke. Um, and I freaking loved when Jeannie kicked Rooney in the face. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> truly <laughs> just just yeah. yeah rooney rooney the whole time same vibe as the <laughs> the restaurant worker <laughs> yes it is a very like i don't know like a very peanuts look at adults i guess yeah. either with the monotonous thing and then also just <laughs> yeah it does have the same view of adults as like a like a kid's movie yeah would Totally. Like they're all just boring or like don't know or what they're just talking about. F- fucking dumb and can't tell you anything useful. Yep. <laughs> I, I also, one other thing I appreciated was that, you know, I, I was born in 91. Um, so certainly most of the tech in my childhood was not there um, in this movie, but the keyboard sounds was one yeah. very nostalgic moment for me. Yeah, 100%. Like, I remember getting my first keyboard and having it make whatever sounds I wanted. Uh, and you got your first computer when you asked for a car, right? Just like Ferris. <laughs> Just like Ferris. Yeah. Just like Ferris. Um, a good Chicago movie too. Should mention as mm. far as Chicago movies go. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, oh, and <laughs> another funny tech moment was when the the absences were going down in the system. It was yeah. like, there's truly no Nine way. Nine times. Yeah. <laughs> that would have ever worked. But No, he's, he's kind of a hacker too, but he's still like a cool guy. Yeah. It was like the Ferris archetype where he's like, well, he's not like a sports star or anything. Everyone just likes him. Yeah. Random people in the community who are like adults that shouldn't necessarily know this guy. They're big fans. Mm-hmm. You know who you should talk to? If you say Ferris Bueller, I'll rip one of your nuts. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> what what scene was that again? That's Charlie Sheen to Jeannie uh, when they're yes. in the police station. Yes. Yeah. And the cops are like, oh, I hope, you know, I hope he feels better. And yeah. all the flowers at the house. Um, yeah. yeah. I feel like if Ferris Bueller were alive today, he would be like a tech executive for something. For sure. Big tech guy. (laughs) I think it's like a John Hughes after writing the movie said like that guy's either going to end up president or in jail. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Those those are the two options for Ferris. Yeah. Um, I like when they're when he's doing the parade thing and it's just Cameron and Sloan walking around and he's going to be a fry cook. (laughs) (laughs) Sloan. I liked her a lot. Yeah. She's She's good. She just doesn't get as much stuff to play. She didn't get as much but stuff to play. But she's also not graduating yet, so she doesn't have that same anxiety necessarily. Right. And I, I yeah, I obviously do wish she had more lines, but I, I did appreciate that for an, for an 80s movie, um, she wasn't like overly sexed up, yeah. but she also... She was allowed Unless to be you're like, really into fringe. Right. Yes. <laughs> she but she was allowed to be like a love and trust with a personality yeah. here. Um she was like chill. Yeah. And, you know, 
desired and 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 yeah with you her. get the sense she's got kind of like her own stuff going on yeah you just don't get to see a lot of her interiority in this movie but you imagine it could be there like i don't just want not, a sequel i want a sloan spinoff <laughs> yeah yeah like i mean if you just look at the movie they from her perspective it's just like a fun day yeah she's not graduating in a couple weeks so that, whatever <laughs> yeah that would be i would watch a sequel that's like sloan senior year her yeah. her day off <laughs> yeah oh that principal is going to scrutinize every absence she has that whole next year, though. For sure. I know. She should transfer. Yeah. <laughs> Get out slow. Save yourself. Uh, so so speaking of Jeannie, which we were a little while ago, but just... So that's Jennifer Grey. This is a year before Dirty Dancing. Mm, so, yeah. yeah. Wow. Dirty, yeah. Dirty Dancing is older than I would have pegged it. That's so 80s. What do you mean? I know. Just, ugh, yeah. It's got. It's only got so much runway to still be eighties, and it is. I very guess that's 80s. true. <laughs> I guess that's true. Um, I mean, great movie. We. we, we I don't know what. Uh, I. I do think we could do dance movies one month. I just oh, don't know. That would be so good. Yeah, we'd definitely do Dirty Dancing if we did. I don't know what else we. You know, do. I haven't seen it start to finish. I've seen oh, okay. like little bits. Um, what else? What's the Channing Tatum movie? Step up. Step up. Definitely could do step. I probably want to do a magic mic before we do step up. Okay. Cause I okay. think that's a dance movie. So I think I'd probably want to do the second magic mic because <laughs> it's just better than the first one. You could do that. You can do like, if you include stripper movies in dancer movies, you have more options. Yeah. That. Mm, yeah. Cause I mean like, black swan. <laughs> Cause yeah, maybe that's the thing. Cause it's not like just dancing. I, I don't know. Yeah. Because I guess you could do a movie that is just like a musical that has a bunch of dancing. But I'm thinking more just like movies that dance is like a part of. Right. So then I think stripper movies would be in play. And yeah, for I sure. Know, I liked Hustlers. So Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Hustlers. I don't know if it's like iconic enough for. Jennifer Lopez is in it. Like, shouldn't yeah. that be good enough? Yeah. We, have, we haven't done a J-Lo movie before. If, well, I mean, you could do a month of J-Lo movies. We got a lot of ideas to go through. Made Manhattan classic. Oh, sure. I'm not denying that. I think when the next time JLo has like a a round number birthday, you got to do it. Happy birthday, (laughs) JLo. She'll listen to your podcast. Uh, And I guess we'd have to do Geely. Geely. Oh, my God. She's back with Ben again. (laughs) They actually like got fully married this time. Wow. You gotta do it. Get it, J-Lo. <laughs> gotta do g <G-Lo. laughs> Anyway, okay, we gotta end the podcast, I think. Yeah. <laughs> we're devolving. We're devolving. Um, once we get to g it's like, okay, we're on a time. <laughs> we're on the clock here. Um, we're on the clock. We gotta go see Barbie. We gotta leave in like five to ten minutes. <laughs> ben, ben may be staying after Barbie to go see the Talking Heads movie at 10 p.m. I might be. It's only playing at 10 p.m. in the IMAX near us. It's crazy. Why won't they just show it at 1 p.m. one day so I don't go to sleep? Anyway, um... <laughs> Speaking of Jonathan Demi, that's also a Demi movie. Talk Fujimoto didn't shoot it, though. It's a live concert film. Um, fuck. Okay, yeah. We got to do ratings on a scale of 0. 0.5 to 5 on any scale of your choosing, besides stars, going up by halves. What would you give Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I would give it three and a half keyboard farts. Okay. <laughs> three and a half keyboard farts. Okay, I'll go... You said you loved it. Three and a half is pretty low for us, though, though, like in general, a good score. We just overgrade here. Um, I'm not into grade inflation. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I can appreciate it. Okay. Then I feel the need to to drop a little bit. Um, <laughs> oh, God. This is, this is a different problem than I usually have. I thought of one, and now it's all I can think of, and I can't think of anything else. And I really don't want to say four out of five kisses from daddy. <laughs> but I guess I did already. <laughs> So let's keep it in. We're it's on the, in. We're, we're on the clock. I got I don't have time to come up with a better, less creepy one. <laughs> oh, anyway, that's how it is in their family. Um great. You can find <laughs> us on Linktree. Oh god, okay, real quick. Question I asked every episode this month. If they made a movie about your life in high school, who would you want to play you? Whew. And I will say, we did get an answer earlier this month that Alan Ruck in this movie, the Cameron character, would be someone's. Wow. Oh, God. Um, and that was before they knew we were doing this movie this month, so. 
Winona Ryder. <laughs> I don't know. In Heathers? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've never, I've never thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can pick from any. You, from, didn't, you didn't mean current, current, right? From like, anyone. You pick from any time period. You could say, you know, Broderick and Bueller, and um, but like the lady version, I don't know. Um, you know, my, I have an uncle who thinks I look like Leah Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> which I don't agree with, but I do okay. think she like in Glee c- could have played a good me in high school. As someone who no went to longer. high school with you, that wasn't my image of you but in high school. I, you should tell me who who should play me. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I guess Leah Michelle. If I really had to think about, it. <laughs> you're always singing Barbara Streisand songs in the hallways. <laughs> that is me. No, I was like a little bit of a badass in high school. Um, who is it? She's in the Fast and the Furious movies. Gal Gadot. No, no. Not <laughs> Gal Gadot, but like, thank you. <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez? Michelle Rodriguez. That, Fine. Yeah, I, I would I would take her. I mean. Sure. Yeah. How about you? Um, I've said a few so far. There's. I'll go with Michael Sarah this time because literally every episode this month, someone's picked Michael Sarah. <laughs> That's awesome. So there, I, can't, I mean, I can't skip it. It is it is harder to pick someone as a woman. Yeah, high school yeah. movies are just very boy centric often. Extremely boy centric. Yeah, we, we especially when we were growing up, and also like the high school movies that came out when we were in high school and middle school were like American Pie. Yeah, yeah, totally. and uh, I wouldn't necessarily pick like Jason Biggs from then. <laughs> so uh, anyway. That does it. I think you can find us on the places that you uh, internet. Uh, Thanks, Kate, for being on the episode. Thank you for having me. Come on, Barbie. Let's go party. Uh, Yeah, we got to go party. So I'll just say real quick, you can get us our stuff on Linktree, linktr.ee slash late to the movies. Just spelled out. No numbers anymore. Forget numbers. You don't need them. Um, Yeah. And uh, that's it. This is a righteous pod. I don't know. I got nothing, dude. I'm so tired. I've been up for like 12 hours. Ben, Ben, you got to take a nap. <laughs> Nap time. All right. The scene. And and scene. <laughs> and scene. Bye. Thanks. <laughs>